This podcast is presented by the Bet Parks online casino and sportsbook app. New customers download now and get up to $1,000 in casino bonus back if you're not a winner in your first 24 hours. See BetParks.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 in PA, New Jersey, Maryland, Michigan, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult to Today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation semi annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal too. Schedule a no obligation in home estimate now. Call 866 90 Nation or visit windownation.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Ladies and gentlemen, we're taking the podcast on the road this season. and We want you to come with us. We're heading to Tampa. We're heading to Nashville. We're heading to New Orleans and maybe a couple other surprises. Thanks to fansofphilly.com. That's P-H-A-N-S, fansofphilly.com. They put all the packages together for us. We're going to hit the road. Set it and forget it. Four-star hotels, direct flights, tickets to the game, tailgates, pregame festivities, and can be a part of our show's as we're there the whole weekend, wherever we are going. Fansofphilly.com. Make sure you use the code BGN so we all stick together and come have fun with us as we cheer on our Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles, and take over every stadium that we are in this season. Fansofphilly.com. Promo code BGN. Michael Kiss. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hand. And Benjamin Solak. I know it's a big night when he asked for honey. He said he wants honey. It's the Kiss and Solak Show. Man. I love those guys. Right here on BGN Radio. You are flying high on the Kissed and Solak Show. This is episode 37, brought to you by the fine folks at BGN Radio. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow my work at InsideThePylon.com, BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. As always, I'm joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Seven Year Streak, about to be eight. Eight years without a bad day, Ben, coming up soon. I'm so I'm so honored that you remembered that. That you remember <laughs> the, the anniversary. It's May uh, 31st. That's when it is. The end of May. So yeah, we are approaching eight years without a bad day. And I was looking forward to the episode where I would be able to tell you this. But you you remembered. I'm so touched. <laughs> My wife is super jealous of you right now. All right. Uh, <laughs> read his work over at ndtscouting.com, bleedinggreennation.com. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K, the best doggone co-host in the game. Ben, how you doing, brother? Oh, I'm very well, Mike. But there's uh, there's no time for pleasantries because... <laughs> Wait, do we have we need intro music to every time we talk about Mike Leach. We gotta talk we gotta oh, talk to Barshard nice. about that. But it's Mike Leach segment. This is the official national Mike Leach podcast. We're the only syndicated, confirmed, verified on Twitter, Mike Leach podcast, covering all things Mike Leach. 
And Mike is doing silly things again. He is in Taiwan for vacation over the summer. Not really, you know, kids are out of school. He's not coaching. Uh, and there's a famous carving in Taiwan called the meat-shaped stone. And uh, Mike yes. Leach called it amazing and unique on Twitter. And he posted a, a nicely, like, shadow backlit uh, image of him pondering the meat-shaped stone, reading the... Uh, reading the uh the museum feature and then not uh not about like an hour and a half later um he tweets out not to be outdone the jade cabbage is even more popular please vote on what you like best vegetarians versus carnivores with no poll no no means of voting he would just like for there to be a vote somehow and he posts another so there's the meat-shaped stone which is just this stone that like I would say like three out of ten on the scale of looking like a piece of meat. That's where this stone is. And then it's there's actually a- Ben. There's there's some research that I did that I did into that. It was made by it was carved out of jasper by a 19th century uh, Chinese something or other. I get I don't know what that profession would even be, but apparently it's supposed to resemble a pork belly, a nice slab of pork belly. I, I don't know if this is an old article or not, but it's actually traveling to San Francisco to be uh, displayed. So it is a world-traveling meat-shaped stone. And I don't know if you know this about me. I'm a big, like, rocks and mineral buff, right? I'm a, I, I, this is, I like, it's one of my little, like, nerd-out things and everything. And so Jasper, which is, like, quartz and chalcedony, gets that red color because of, of iron impurities again there. And it's very, very beautiful. There's, like, tiger iron and stuff, and it's usually got these nice big bands. Comparatively... This meat-shaped stone is pretty ugly. I'm not going to lie. It doesn't look like, like pork belly. It looks really weird. The jadeite cabbage is... I Personally, my vote is for the cabbage. I'm, I'm, I'm very much a carnivore, but the jade cabbage, I think, is very beautiful looking. Uh, and then also, we should... The final tweet from Mike the, is he shares the fascinating thing about the meat-shaped mm. stone, which is not that it's a meat-shaped stone. Uh, it's that it has a respect in Taiwan that quote reminds me of the mona i can't say <laughs> reminds me of the mona lisa there there was a big crowd around it the whole time i liked it but i am trying to understand its magnitude end quote mike that's the leach. best part so really what mike leach would like for you to know is that the meat-shaped stone which you undoubtedly just heard of is on the same level as the mona lisa which you can't even remember when you learned what the mona lisa was okay they're on the they're on the same level, same playing field, and he's and really he's still trying, trying to, to understand uh, it. Still trying to wrap his mind around the sociocultural implications of the meat shaped <laughs> stone in Taiwan. It is the treasure of Taiwan, man. It's <laughs> he's amazing. Did you see? Did you see that that Mike Leach had an interaction with me today on Twitter? I did. You, see you, this? you shared it. I looked over, but I didn't. I didn't get deep into what it was. Basically, my idea and Dan Hatman of the Scouting Academy uh, loves this idea. I said the world needs a parts unknown episode slash season with Anthony Bourdain and Mike Leach, which would be amazing. I don't know if you've seen any Bourdain stuff, Ben, but he travels the world like a world-class chef and he's also a drunkard very entertaining stuff and i said pair him with mike leach and so dan says there was this was a great idea this is the tweet that mike leach liked in the mentions from uh, bryce rossler our friend at bt rossler kiss should serve as a reminder that development is not linear he went from receiving stern lectures on social media etiquette to having the assurance that it wasn't actually him this time to being told that he just had his best idea ever all in a matter of months amazing and mike leach has applauded 
my development. That's like a niche reference between like your relationship with Dan Hatman in the Scouting Academy yes. and Mike Leach just liked it with no context. Exactly. He actually thinks I was like this gutter rat on social media like in the last few months, and even though I'm a rabble rouser that, that Dan can't keep control of and constantly has to tell me and, and, and put, st- put stuff in the ITP Slack channel. I'm like, look, guys, this is not what the ITP brand is about. If you're going to have it in your profile, then you need to get out. <laughs> And Mike Leach is like, I like the strides he's taken, guys. I really yeah, like Mike, the strides Mike, this Mike Leach has been taken. following you closely, Mike. You interest him, but he does not yet fully understand the magnitude of really your your evolution over the, over the past I'm months. his meat-shaped stone. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so what I need from you, gentle listeners, is I need you to at Coach Leach. That's at Coach underscore Leach and tell him you would be honored to have him on the Kissed and Solak show on BGN Radio. We want to bring Mike Leach on here to talk. Uh, obviously, yes. that would be an amazing show. This is the official syndicated Mike Leach podcast. It's the only one he should be on here. That's correct. Let him know that. And uh, look, we got to get to some Eagles talk before this gets too far off the rails. Uh, we did have to share that, though. We can get further off the rails than this? We're at an entirely so. new set of rails. That's how far off the original set of rails we are. <laughs> So, Ben, there is some uh, breaking news. There's a couple right. of stories. The Eagles picked up a linebacker, Leroy Reynolds. And also there's some Braden Graham news. Do you want to elaborate uh, on those for, for the listeners? Yeah, we'll start with Graham. Uh, Reynolds is, is a, you know, just a, a depth signing, whatever. But uh, Tim McManus recently broke that Brandon Graham actually had surgery on his right ankle and could miss, uh, he says, spring workouts, which is very interesting because it's May. Those aren't usually called spring workouts, I don't think, but whatever. It's about um, summer, yeah. Yeah, the the procedure is to promote faster healing on a high ankle sprain suffered on Christmas night against the Raiders. Uh, he played through the injury and was a hero of Super Bowl 52, coming up with strip tracks already, yada, yada, yada. He's currently in a protective boot, and he is expected to report to NovaCare on Monday. Uh, so basically what we've got here, we, we know he had the ankle issue in Oakland, at least a full game of rest, if not a little bit of rest. Uh, excuse me, a majority of rest against the Cowboys, then in week 17. Then obviously we had the bye week, and then he came back, and he was obviously, we, we can now understand maybe playing a little bit gimpy, uh, but he was fine and he was healthy. Surprising that the surgery was recent. You would assume they would have done yeah. it a little bit earlier if they knew it was an issue. Maybe he, you know, took time off. You know, when When you have a 17-game season, or excuse me, a 19-game season, your body's just beat up in general. And so you want to take time off. You probably don't do a lot physically-wise. And then maybe as he's been working his way back, They've decided to try to, uh, you know, give him the surgery. Uh, it does provide some context to adding all the the defensive end depth that Philadelphia has. Yeah. Obviously, I don't think I don't think you're training for Michael Bennett because Brandon Graham might miss a game because of his ankle. I don't, you know, Josh Sweat was definitely a luxury pick because he fell to you. Like I don't think they would have said no if Graham was fully healthy. But John Varshard of BGN Radio does note that that he has heard Graham could potentially miss the first week, maybe a little bit more. And of course, you know, Graham is a very interesting player to watch for Philadelphia moving forward because he's over 30, but he's mm. just starting to really be uh, hit his most most productive seasons. Right. And I see I, I shied away from saying peaking because he's always been so consistently good. You know what I mean? So like. Right. But but he's really starting to like the numbers are starting to get a little bit more reflective of the disruption, at least in my opinion, on yeah. uh, the sack numbers are increasing. So he's in line for a big payday as a free agent after this upcoming season, but Philadelphia doesn't have a ton of cap space. So 
every bit of news with Brandon Graham like does matter, in my opinion, to take a look at. Yeah, and then you have a piece up on BleedingGreenNation.com about the new linebacker, Leroy Reynolds. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is just breaking down. Um, Quick hitter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Reynolds is a, is a five-year pro. He's 27 years old. Uh, he's bounced around, was with Jacksonville twice, was with Chicago, most recently two years with Atlanta. And actually, fun fact, uh, he recovered, if you remember, the Eagles muffed a punt in the second quarter against the Falcons in the divisional round, uh, bounced off Russell Douglas's ankle, and, and Reynolds was the guy who recovered that. And so clearly how he saw this and said, listen, he can't be playing anywhere else because that made the yeah. game 10-6. Mike gave the Falcons the first lead, and this was the closest game the Eagles played in the entirety of the playoffs. And so obviously, obviously, out. right. Obviously it was, it was a big targeting, you know, long-term thing. Uh, I'll put it to you this way. What we now see is the Eagles have nine linebackers who are at least noteworthy names on the roster and they're not going to, they're going to keep max six. And I wouldn't even be surprised right. if, you know, it was, they try to do like five and a practice squad guy, which is more so what they did last year. And, and so he just is, is another body on a very, very deep and generally uninspiring second level of linebackers, and you're hoping that somebody makes you feel good about being the fourth linebacker uh, on that yeah. depth chart because the Eagles desperately need that guy, especially if Kendricks hits the road in a trade. So linebacker is, to me, the premier position to watch as far as training camp battles go because there's the most to figure out there. Definitely, and uh, I refer to what you called him in the slack, if you don't mind. He's Najee Good that has been on more teams. Well, basically. yeah, because like, <laughs> Najee Good is just stuck around because he's been really good on special teams, and then occasionally he plays, and you're like, oh no. And then Leroy Reynolds <laughs> has done a lot of special team stuff, and then occasionally he has to play on defense, and you're like, ah, not great. So we'll see, yeah. you know. I mean, right now, like, three months ago, it was, oh, Camus Grugier Hill is going to definitely make this roster because of his special teams ability, and then Paul right. Warlow came into the building, and then... Corey Nelson. Right, yeah, but he, Nelson was even much, so, much more so, maybe this guy can be our, our dime backer, maybe he can start right. and give us significant reps. Really, like, Warlow and Reynolds, in my opinion, are the two greatest threats to Grugier Hill's roster spot, right? And then you've got, I think, Nelson is probably pretty nicely locked uh, as, as a guy who's going to make it unless yeah. you really see a big step forward from Joe Walker and Nate Gary. And I think Walker and Gary are fighting to be like the young guy on the roster. If you want to kind of put it into buckets, but it's way too right. early to like be, you know, feel comfortable with those buckets. Yeah. And all this is going to flesh out over the offseason. Of course, we will be covering it for you here on BGN Radio and on the Kissed and Solak show. As we alluded to last week, we are going to be doing another Eye on the Enemy segment. Last week, we did the Dallas Cowboys one, man. I thought it turned out really well. Go check that out. Go find out about these teams that the Eagles will be playing throughout the regular season in the NFC East. We're also going to be covering some NFC contenders as well, like the Vikings and Rams and whatnot. But today, for Eye on the Enemy, we are going to be covering the toothless Washington Redskins. You got to start, like we did with the, with the Cowboys one, you got to start with the quarterback. They bring in... Alex Smith into town. Now, last year, really weird year for Alex Smith, historically mm -hmm. based on his career, his 12-year career. Uh, he had a high in completion percentage, a high in yards thrown, career high in touchdowns, only five interceptions, which is was he's been under 10 interceptions for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years in a row now. So very conservative uh, with the ball for the most part. But last year was different, low in interception percentage, despite taking those risks. And then his quarterback rating of 104.7 was the highest since his last year in San Francisco when he got replaced basically due to injury and then the play of Kaepernick coming up uh, from under him, showing some juice to that offense. But look, with Alex Smith, man, those numbers are such an outlier. 
and benefited so much from Tyreek Hill's bonkers 4-2-4 speed that it would be a safe bet in my eyes to bet on a regression when he makes a transition to the weapons or lack thereof in in Washington. To, to make a fallout reference, because I'm a video game nerd, Alex Smith had a raging psychojet addiction in Kansas City last year, and Washington is going to be his rehab where he reverts back to the cowardly lion. That part isn't a fallout reference. That's a Wizard of Oz thing. But you see what I'm getting at. Ben, obviously, I mean, he made a lot of big time throws according to PFF last uh, last year, which PFF categorizes as difficult throws down the field into tight windows. He showed that he had that side of him, but he also showed that he had some struggles, especially in the middle of the year as well. There about a string of four or five games where he wasn't uh, very good and kind of reverted back to, to uh, old mm-hmm. Alex. But would you say that that one year out of, out of the 12 uh, would signify that you could bet on a regression uh, moving forward for Alex Smith, considering that the weapons he's going to be dealing with in Washington, especially. I wouldn't even say, especially because of the weapons, I'd say, especially because he's not being coached by Andy Reid and Matt Nagy anymore. Yeah, that would, that would be that would be my claim. I mean, like the Eagles have a better offense than the Chiefs do, and the Eagles do more better schematic stuff than the Chiefs do, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. And I think that's supported by the Lombardi trophy. I think that's a good case. But <laughs> I will say that I think what Reed does better than anybody else in the league is marry concepts from different, you know, schools of thought from different backgrounds in ways that are that are unique. And, and, and he's able to take, you know, the same formation and the same personnel and then run spread ideas on you and then hit West Coast ideas on you and then hit air raid ideas on you with just he's, he's so very fluid in that yeah. way. And I haven't spent as much time as I would have liked in the Nagy offense with the Chiefs. Obviously, Nagy was only there for one year, and now he's the head coach of the Chicago Bears. Uh, and so I need to get deeper into that. But what you saw with Reed, especially in the Peterson offense coming over, is that ability to marry different ideas. And I wouldn't be surprised if that continued uh, with the Chiefs and with Nagy. What then that creates for you, and and this is what I think is important to understand about Smith, is it creates space. And and Smith was always a spread quarterback who benefited from space when, when Smith was playing in Utah. And it was the Urban Meyer, uh, Dan Mullen spread, right? This was just a space-oriented offense. But Urban Meyer's spread was very, very, very much a horizontal spread. And it, it was it was very much per, uh, uh, based on high percentage throws, short areas of the field, uh, based on the running game. This was how it, it was a run-first style of spread. And Smith was successful there. And that's what you saw. For a lot of his time in San Francisco, he was there like with Greg Roman for a little bit. It was a similar idea. And then Kansas right. City when he was there with Reed. But what you saw with, with the weapons that the Chiefs began to have, and this is where the weapons gets into the conversation. When you have a Tyreek Hill, when you have a Travis Kelsey, all of a sudden, sure, you can continue to spread it out short. But those are two really nice downfield weapons. And all of a sudden, you start to introduce, you know, some more. Modern ideas of the spread, which is incorporate a lot more of a vertical passing game. Uh, yeah. Smith obviously hitting West Coast ideas, which is very much Reed's background. Smith can execute those because he's a very nice precision passer. And now all of a sudden, he just his A dot increased in that in right. that Nagy Reed system over the last couple of years. Now you're going to a Kavanaugh system. Now you're going to much more pure West Coast with the Redskins. And I don't think he's going to see as much space. And I think that when he sees less space, he's going to move back to where he's been comfortable over his career, which is working the short to intermediate range and being yeah. a nickel and dime pocket point guard sort of a guy. And that's not bad. And Smith is good at that. And you can run an offense with that and you can win championships with that. 
There's no doubt in my mind. But yeah, I think, you know, if you expect uh, an Alex Smith like you got in 2017, number one, you should have drafted a guy who can do what Tyreek Hill can do, which obviously I'm not saying like most people in the world can do what Tyreek Hill can do because it's very rare. But when I look at their wide receivers, Josh Doxson, Paul Richardson, Jamison Crowder, you know, and then even like Robert Davis and Trey Quinn down the depth chart. Yeah, Doxson, Richardson, these are great jump ball guys who are deep, but they're not speed guys. They're not going to create space deep. And if you have a risk averse quarterback who doesn't like to just throw up 50-50 balls for his wide receiver to make plays, because that's definitely not Smith, you need to get burners, not above yeah. the rim guys. And they have above the rim guys. So to me, when I, that's where when, once I introduce the weapons into the Kavanaugh system, I don't see Smith being as as much of a threat to push it deep because I don't think there's going to be as much space as he had with Kansas City. So that's where I that's where I fall on Alex Smith. But I like the player a lot. I like the way Alex Smith plays. And and to go to the because uh, we talked about the positives with how he played as far as his big time throws and you know all the career highs that he had, he still struggled on third down and uh, third and fourth down when they really needed it. And this is from uh, PFF from their from their QB guide. Only 26.9% of his attempts on third down earned positive grades, the fifth lowest rate of any full-time starter in the regular season. Earned, so if the throw earns a positive grade, does that imply that it was a conversion or what? No, maybe it's no, like it a does bad not throw that's still a conversion. Okay. Right, yeah, it might be it might be like a shorter throw, short of the stick, something of that nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and then in the red zone, probably his biggest flaw there, he only averaged 3.2 yards per attempt the 28th best mark his 47.3 completion percentage was the fourth lowest of any starter and he notched just three big time throws so he did turtle up in certain situation he did show his old stripes in certain situations so it's still there inside of him <laughs> and then you look at the run game uh what's going to be helping him obviously they draft Darius Geis which is great because Kirk Cousins led this team in rushing touchdowns last year with four uh their leading rusher was Samaj P. Ryan. he had 603 yards obviously Chris Thompson went down Robert Kelly was ineffective and you look at this team you talk about injuries but with this team even over the last just two years combined, they were the worst team when it comes to adjusted games loss per football outsiders. That's taking to, into account starters that lose time, other depth players and whatnot. The teams that are really affected by these things, they ranked the worst team in the NFL last year. And they lost a lot of guys on the offensive line, really in, in a lot of places. But the offensive line, especially in the middle of the season, they didn't have like guys that could play. And it was a big shot to them. Of course, that's going to affect the ground game. And of course, that's going to affect, you know, being able to protect your quarterback where they rank towards the bottom in the league. Uh, but does Darius Geis, and Jay Gruden has come out and said, he's a two down back for me. Obviously, I think he's saying that because Chris Thompson is there in the building and they're, they're confident in his rehab. But at the same time, uh, why come out and say that? I don't understand why you would ever say any, like a full sentence yes. in May about rookies. You have chilled with this guy for like three weeks. Like, listen, yeah. he's a two down back for us. You have seen him in your jersey once. Yeah. What? Like, well, when we drafted him, you know, we thought to ourselves he'd be our primary two down back. And then Chris Thompson's obviously our established third down back. But we're going to mm. see what guys can give us in all facets of the field. That's not hard to say, Gruden. No. But kids don't say, do not give people sound bites in May. It's May. We have nothing else. Yeah, exactly. Everyone that has listened to the Kiston Solak show leading up to the draft knows that I am a big Darius Geis fan, and I hated to see him go to Washington. I do believe that he can bring something to that offense, but at the same time, if Alex Smith is 
going to go back to what he typically is and they're going to have to rely on that ground game and they're going to have to get some injury luck because over the last two years man fire your freaking strength and conditioning coach if this continues into this year because it has been a problem with Jay Gruden uh, ben, do you do you find any hope for this offense as far as being more productive, less high variance than they have been over the last couple of years? Uh, right. So we we alluded to this a little bit uh, when we were previewing the Redskins on the last show because yeah, the Redskins were always a team, and maybe this is just my warped perspective of them because we play them twice a year. But I would feel like they would always just like randomly show up like three or four games of the year and just hang 40 Blow on somebody. Yeah. Not actually 40, but like 30, 35. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, they'd be wildly inconsistent, like you said. And so then, yeah, certainly I go to the depth chart and none of the offensive additions really move the needle for me besides the one of Geis. And so if we're talking about Darius Geis, the top five player on your board, who has, you know, game-breaking running back ability, he'll play for three downs, you know, from his first year, then, yeah, we got a conversation because you're going to be able to ground and pound out more consistent yardage. You're going to be able to keep Alex Smith ahead of the sticks, and that's where he's the most effective. Like you right. said, he's not a great third-down passer, so, okay, let's just keep it third and short as much as we can, right? And then that's sort of an offensive philosophy will give you more consistency, you're going to lose explosiveness without Kirk Cousins because as a guy who's not a huge Kirk Cousins fan, what I will give you is that Kirk Cousins does have a penchant for some explosive plays. And he's certainly able to, you know, give his receivers chances at the, with the ball down the field, you know, especially when oh, they had Deshaun Jackson there. Uh, you know, that was really and a Jordan Reed's healthy, like those yeah, yeah. situations. Cousins would, would uncork it. And, and that was an exciting aspect of his game. You're not going to get that as much as we discussed with Smith. So yeah. your offense may become more consistent, but you know, you don't want to sacrifice explosiveness on the altar of consistency. You know, like I would argue that the Eagles offense is consistent and explosive. And which is what you want. They can move the ball. They can put together long drives. And we saw, you know, 14 play drives, 16 play drives, but also they can rip off 50 yards on you without blinking. And I think that with the Redskins, I mean, it might be nice to have consistency because you're more, you're better able to predict game script week in and week out, but I think you're going to lose right. explosiveness in a big way. The only way you get explosiveness back is if Darius Geis is regularly ripping off 20 plus yard runs. And even then, you know, explosive runs aren't going to mean what explosive passes do not in 2018 that's that's just the reality and so i like some of the depth signings uh you know i do like you know i think trey quinn is going to be an interesting guy there i get the idea uh behind jerron christian as far as adding to that tackle depth chart but he's just weak right now he's just weak for a big man and so he needs work uh but the needle didn't move much positively for me uh, on the draft i like like i liked the signing of paul richardson a lot and i think that Josh Doxson being a feature part of an offense is interesting because I still am one of the few left who believes Josh Doxson's going to be a good wide receiver in the NFL. Um, I, I am with you. Yeah. Uh, I am with you on that. I still see the potential with him for sure. But I really, really would have liked to have seen, as I alluded to earlier, the field stretcher. There was room to add uh, a wide receiver who had burning speed. Uh, and then that was a need that they've got know, they, their field stretcher. They're going to stretch it horizontally with Chris Thompson, which is perfect for Alex Smith, Ben. Okay. Well, yeah. And, 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 I got love for Chris Thompson. I do. And I got love I for Samaj yeah. P. Ryan as well. Like I like I like the way their backfield is built. I like and I don't mind the way the wide receiver core is built. And then obviously if Jordan Reed's healthy, we're in a good spot. Vernon Davis. There you go. Maybe Vernon, forty eight years old as your field stretcher. I question the the harmony between these positional groups the quarterback, and then the offensive play calling and how that's all going to come together. But that being said, we've got an offensive coordinator in his second season with his first season with a new quarterback who they like traded for. They wanted to go get him. So there's a good chance there's a plan in place. 
and we're going to have to see it come to fruition. So maybe things are going to look different, you know, and, and we have to allow for that. But as far as right now, to me, there's a little discontinuity between team building and organization, so on and so forth. Where would you say, just a quick prediction, that they rank for points per game? in the NFL next year. Let's just say that their injury luck isn't fantastic, but it's not as bad as it has been just across the board on the offense. I mean, I want to just say like 16, you know what I mean? It's like give them dead average. <laughs> I would say if they, I would say they're going to be, yeah, they're going to be average to maybe a bit above average, but I would expect them to be in that 18 to 13 yeah. range. You know what I mean? I think that you have enough there, especially in the offensive line and in the backfield to churn out yardage and be a team that they can put points up on the board but like i said i think they're gonna lose explosiveness and so i, w- I don't imagine them cracking the top 10 at all yeah. okay. so i would expect middle teens i would agree with you there moving on to the defensive side of the ball here on the kiston solak show this is the eye of the enemy segment we are talking about the washington redskins so let's start with what compelled them to draft the ron Payne, defensive tackle from alabama so against the run the redskins ranked last in rushing yards allowed per game. So we'll start there. 29th mm-hmm. in yards per carry allowed. One reason, and we touched on, you know, injuries, and I think this one had a big impact. Ricky Jonathan Allen from Alabama as well went on IR after week five for a Liz Frank injury that required surgery. In the first five games, they allowed only 4.0 yards per carry with Allen, which had the team at about like the 15th in the league at the time. So not great, not bad, not awful. Over the next 11 weeks after that, they surrendered 4.75 yards per carry, which watered them down to 4.5 for the season, 29th in the league. Is that a coincidence? I mean, probably not. Uh, I'll, I'll even take it a one <laughs> step further just to really hammer this point home. Uh, the Redskins run nickel with the uh, three cornerbacks nearly 70% of the time. It's their base. Win in nickel, 4.87 yards per carry. With Allen out, Ben, for those other 11 weeks, out of nickel defense, 7.21 yards per carry. That's so <laughs> bad. Jeez, I had no idea. Like, if you had asked me, I would have, I, I thought the Redskins, like, uh, run defense was not yeah. terrible. Like, I, like you know, with, with Zach Brown and Mesa Foster, Preston Smith, they had decent linebackers. Allen Ionidas, these are good players in the defense. I would, I would yeah. never have guessed. Hey, in Washington, uh, stop running so much nickel, bro. Uh, to be fair to the coaching staff in Washington, I don't think they have the personnel to succeed in, succeed in base either. Uh, and you get the trade off with having uh, Kendall. So, okay, let's talk about this. Part of what Alex Smith coming into Washington uh, what they had to do to get him, they had to ship out a third round pick and they had to ship out their starting nickel cornerback, Kendall Fuller, who was arguably their best defender last year. First example uh, of why right. that hurts the Redskins. And I'll get to talk about Carson Wentz here. When targeting the slot, Carson Wentz, which he did 33% of the time, which is higher than league average, Wentz had a 132.1 passer rating. And now you add Philly Goddard to some of these slot reps on a team that has their tight ends in the slot on 40% of the routes. Yeah, that's going to be an area, uh, not just for the Eagles to attack, but for the rest of the league as well, until the Redskins prove that they have a capable replacement. And again, in nickel, 70% of the time. Is that replacement seventh round selection, Greg Stroman from Virginia Tech? I doubt he makes that kind of impact right away. And I like Stroman, but somebody has to win that job and produce again for the Redskins and really a lot of teams, nickel being their base, Unless they're able to find some linebacker production or able to find some coverage linebacker linebackers, which I don't think they really had last year. I mean, you take a look at these guys. 
Zach Brown, Mason Foster, Preston Smith, are any of them robust in coverage that you can think of, Ben? Uh, I feel like Zach Brown doesn't suck, but I might be wrong. Because right. Brown can fly. And so I feel like he, he's he's decent in space. But nobody, like, jumps out to me. So yeah, no one's like a thing. Nigel Bradham there. I'll put it to you that way. So overall, Ben, you have a defense that was solid on third down, solid against the pass, decent in the red zone, porous against the run, wore down in the second halves of games, and leaked points to the tune of 24 a game, tied with the abysmal New York Giants, who we'll be talking about soon here on Eye of the Enemy. So Considering excited. the injuries that they were hit with, and let's be fair about it while still pointing out that this is a two-year trend, that may not right itself. They rank 27th in adjusted games lost due to injury on the defensive side of the ball as well. Hint, hint, again, fire your strength and conditioning coach. Whatever you got to do, shake chicken bones on them. I don't care. Get them healthy. Ben, taking all of this in, how do you see the Redskins' future versus the Redskins' defense of 2017? I have a question first. Yeah. So the team plays 70% nickel. Yeah. They lose Kendall Fuller, who's a top five nickel corner in the league. Yeah. And then they don't draft... They draft Greg Stroman in the seventh round from Virginia Tech. They don't draft Correct. any more corners. So they're going to play with Josh Norman, who I will die on the hill that Josh Norman isn't as good as the corners we think he is. Yeah, he's all right. And then on the opposite side, they've got Orlando Skandrick, who cannot stay healthy and is, like, decent when he's healthy. And behind him, they have Fabian Moreau, who's a third-round pick out of UCLA last year, who's, like, had an injury, and he was decent at UCLA. I didn't think he was that great. Like, people talked about him as a first-round pick, and that was all bullocks. And then Quentin Dunbar. That's their, that's their, and they better not try to play nickel 70% of the time again. They've got nobody. Right. Yeah. Are you moving yeah, I don't, I don't get it either. Because I don't think Moreau can play inside at all. No, I, I 100% agree. And I think that's going to be a major, major weaknesses for them. And teams are attacking the middle of the field more and more. Teams are uh, using their tight ends in the slots more and more and more and creating different mismatches and at the same time when you can't stop the run you gave up over seven yards per carry from when you were in nickel why are you running that much nickel in that scenario (laughs) all right and so to me here's what's interesting if you look at not drafting a significant nickel corner which greg stroman like maybe is like a corner four at some point but there's no way you're spending your seventh round pick on a guy you envision being a big deal for your nickel so no corner makes you think they're not going to run any more nickel and then i look at who they added in the front seven, because you bring in Pernell McPhee and free agency, who I think can still give you pass rush juice off the edge. Uh, you add Deron Payne, who's a, a run stuffer. He is a run stuffing nose tackle. He's a two gapper, yep. space eater in the middle. 3.5 sacks in his career at Alabama. Yeah. And then you, you double down on Tim Settle, who's also a huge, you know, just bull in the middle, 335 pounds out of Virginia Tech, and he's going to need more time. Super unathletic. Right. And you don't add any more linebackers i look at the way you address the front seven and it looks to me like you're going to try to continue to keep playing nickel with the way you just brought these players in why did you draft a nickel corner what do you (laughs) you drafted tim settle after you just put up deron Payne? you brought a tim settle in the fifth round why people people i don't think people understand and for for the reason that we're freaking out about kendall fuller kendall fuller was one of the best nickel cornerbacks in the league last year statistically on film all of it Right. So the the way that Washington has addressed this is we need to swap for a more conservative quarterback. We'll give up a third round pick. We'll give up our best nickel cornerback from our base defense. And to do that, because we got gashed on the ground, we'll just get more big bodies. That'll work. Right. Like, I like, no, like, Payne, if you're, if you're saying to yourself, all right, Deron Payne, you know, replacing, I don't know, like Ziggy Hood or Jonathan Allen, whoever they had playing the nose earlier. Like, Payne is going to solve all the run game problems. 
okay, I mean, you did spend sure. like 13 overall on the kid, so he or the young man. So he probably should play well for you. And I understand you're putting a lot into him, but I do not think one player does a, a, a defense make. And I appreciate the way they've approached the front seven. I do. Like, I like it. Uh, and, and, and it was too early for pain, but it was the necessary piece. They needed the space eater. We, we talked about, you know, immediately after the draft, we think they really wanted Vea at 13. That was a very common rumor. Uh, and then Vea went one pick before them, I believe, to the Buccaneers at 12. And then basically it looked like they said, all right, we also have a first round grade on pain. Let's get him. You know, maybe it was a little bit of a cursory move. Okay. Putting him next to Jonathan Allen makes a ton of sense. Like I said, adding Pernell McPhee, you're now rushing on the outside with McPhee, uh, with Kerrigan, with, with Preston Smith, with Ryan Anderson, also a Bama pick from last year off that defense. This, uh, to me, this, like, this all looks great. It just doesn't make sense without a nickel corner. Uh, unless yep. you're going to try to run base and you're going to be playing Mason Foster, Zach Brown, and then you're playing Preston Smith off ball, which you can do because he's your strong side backer. But I think that they like to rush him. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure they do. Or you're going into a very weak linebacker depth chart that includes like Zach Sigel and Josh Harvey Clemens, who is a safety at Louisville, who they're converting into a linebacker. They brought in Sean Dion Hamilton, who I would love to see mm. be successful for them. And maybe that's the solution because I think Dion Hamilton is good, but he's got to be healthy. He's had two season ending injuries back to back in his knee. And so their base package is going to be very interesting because like the offense, I look at the way they've approached this offseason and I could say, all right, there's a, a functional schematic change going here. They want to play less nickel and more base. They want to play, you know, leave more linebackers on the field, which they're assuming then that they have faith in their coverage linebackers, and they're probably going to play a little bit more zone, a little less man-to-man. Okay, if that's the, if that's the schematic change, then this makes a lot more sense. But if they're still trying to play nickel as the base, I have no idea who is possibly playing the overhang, and whoever it is on this roster is going to get gutted, because I don't see anybody good enough to do it. Fun, fun stat for you. Uh, a winning slot coverage from from PFF here. I went and looked at the their slot performance uh, metrics. Kendall Fuller took 430 snaps as a slot coverage defender. So that's either nickel or dime, both both ways in the slot, right? Uh-huh. Okay. 0.74 yards per coverage snap. Very 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 good. That is yeah. good, folks. That is excellent. The next in line for slot snaps: 86 DJ Swearinger, 44 Zach Brown, 37 Martel Spate. <laughs> like. Martel, Martel Spate gave up 2.7 yards per coverage snap he's, in the he's, slot. He's, and he's, 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 he's the fourth most snaps. She's like, a, he's a two-down thumper. <laughs> and that's the other thing. I'm glad you brought up Swearinger. They've neglected safety, in my opinion, too. DJ Swearinger is not yeah. a great starter. Maybe he had a good season in Washington, but Swearinger has always has been old for the past, like, 10 years. And he's been up and down for the past, like, eight of those. And then you, you've got him playing next to Monte Nicholson, who... Did a fantastic job uh, coming in fourth round pick out of Michigan State. I liked him coming in as a sleeper, and then he he played well. And we're excited about Monte Nicholson. Is so so. We, are you going to move Everett down into the slot? What were out of? I don't think that makes sense. I don't think Deshazer Everett can play slot consistently. Yeah, I mean he played thirty six snaps for him, gave up thirty eight yards. It's not bad. He gave up a touchdown to NFL rating of one hundred and eleven against him. Maybe that's something that they see. May, they have to see something in that building that we just don't see, or just right. something that's not going to work. We need to. <laughs> I want to like talk to Redskins beats and be like, "Yo, who are Me they too. playing in the slot with Fuller gone?" Because what well, you would you would think when you trade Kendall Fuller. 
the first thing you do is, all right, who's going to replace Kendall Fuller? And unless, like we said, it's somebody on this roster who they never saw play Kendall Fuller's role because they just traded him. So there's no way they yeah. like tried it out. They didn't get anybody. And that makes no sense. I mean, dude, I, I Twitter searched it and everything. I was like, Redskins, nickel. Let's see what we can. Okay, switch to latest. This isn't working. Okay, none of this. Everyone is just speculating. Like, I was really trying to find out, bro. I was, I really, that's 430 snaps in the slot. You got to replace. That's not going to be easy when you didn't upgrade that cornerback group at all. It just got worse. Okay, so Ben, uh, overall for the, the defense, um, they ranked pretty, pretty poorly, if I'm not mistaken. They were in, the, would you, would you say that they rank in the 20s? for DVOA. We'll put it to you that way. Football outsiders, DVOA, the metrics for efficiency in certain situations, all, all that good stuff. It's it's better than saying, you know, they're going to, for them using total yardage as a ranking. DVOA, do they rank in the 20s in 2018? I can envision them getting a, a skosh better because of the investments yeah. on the defensive line uh, and the guys are going to bring in to, to maybe generate more of a rush. You think John, Jonathan Allen plays 16 games, uh, you know, he takes a step forward in year two. You could see them, their pass defense not dropping off the way we expect necessarily because they're generating more rush. And then obviously we talked about improvements in the run game. But to me, I think you can still shred this team in the air. Uh, and and, and yeah. it's not like, you know, even with those astounding yards per carry numbers, the Redskins weren't an amazing pass defense last year and they didn't get better. They got worse in the secondary, clearly. Uh, so to me, I think you're going to be able to pass all over these guys. I would definitely agree, Ben. I, I think you can shred them, especially in the middle of the field. Uh, Swearinger, whoever their nickel is, their linebackers, they're not doing for me. Ben, they were 7-9 and nine last year, over, under. Oh, wow. The Redskins have the fourth hardest schedule in the league. Under. <laughs> I will take the under with, uh, with Alex Smith in the fourth hardest schedule. Your big question for the Redskins, I think, of the entire team, is now what am I getting out of the front four? Because the Redskins have an underrated front four generally. Matt Ioannidis is good, and we don't talk about it enough. Ryan Kerrigan is really good, and we don't talk about it enough. You add Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, year two. That's going to be good. All right, you've got Preston Smith, Ryan Anderson. These are good, decent players. Yeah. Jim Tomsula is there. He's supposed to be the guy with defensive line. You're in a, a, a division with some great offensive lines, and then the Giants, uh, and with some great defensive lines. Just the Eagles, actually. So you can, like, trench play has been the thing. You can win in the trenches with this defensive line. If they can generate a great two-man rotation, which they have a lot of pieces, they have a lot of names, and if Tom Sula can get good production out of his Alabama boys, then now we've got, you know, you can help out that pass defense and you should be fine. And you can get better run yeah. defense, that should be fine. So to me, it's all about the front four. That's what I'll be watching in Washington in the preseason in the early early games of the year. If that front four can come together, they're going to be a much more consistent threat. But otherwise, I don't see it. Like I said on the last show, and I stick by it after doing some more research into it, they're going to have to win a lot of games, like 13 to 10, man. They're going to have to win some grinders, some Gruden grinders, if you will. Shout out mm -hmm. to Jay Gruden for being a bad coach. Okay, Ben, <laughs> I believe we are doing the Giants next. You want to uh, let the listeners know, the gentle listeners know what we have on tap for them. Howdy there, gentle listeners. Thank you so much for stopping by the Kissed and Solak show. We apologize for the late release this week. I had to write an awful paper about, I don't know, Bentham and the strength of weak ties and inequality, and I have no idea what was happening. Uh, but I'm, I'm happy to be back. Mike was very patient with me. We had to time things with the thunderstorm, but it's all good. And this was Eye on the Enemy with the Redskins, as well as uh, the Mike Leach segment, syndicated Mike, Mike Leach podcast, number one national Mike Leach, award-winning podcast, Mike. Grammy-nominated, Oscar-winning, different award, Mike Leach podcast. 
Uh, and so thank you so much for listening. We had a good time. As always, I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. He's been Michael Kist on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. Later this week is the Giants Eye on the Enemy. We save the worst for last. Come ready for laughs, folks. Uh, but until then, hope the uh, Sixers pick. We get the swap. You know, 1%. We're up there. Uh, pick number one overall. I know Mike agrees. Very excited. Uh, and thank sure. you so much for stopping by. We appreciate you coming on. Remember to go to iTunes, man. Get that pizza party going. We need ratings, five-star ratings only. And we need reviews as well. So hit that up. It also really helps the show and everyone here at BGN Radio. We do appreciate it because, look, we all we got, we all we need, fly, Eagles, fly. Fly, Eagles, fly.